believe you're the savior of our soul. We believe you are God and in control. Welcome to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Bram, a ministry of Worship Generation Church located in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please visit us at www.worshipgeneration.com. We believe in the power of the gospel. We believe you can transform every soul. We believe you're the Savior. Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. Let the nations be glad, all his saints rejoice. As we come to chapter 15, we pick it up from where we were last week, topically in chapter 14, where it talked about the fruits of the tithes of all the increase and that God's going to bless you and we're going to learn to trust in the Lord. We're going to fear the Lord through our giving. We're going to rejoice in our giving and we're going to focus on the Levites, the the stranger, the fatherless, the widow, and all these things that said that the Lord may bless you. So there's a, for them in their context of their covenant, there's a blessing upon them. We know in the New Testament that God is a cheerful giver and we give as we purpose and that uh, he who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. He who or she who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. And of course, we're a very generous church. So praise the Lord for that. Now, as we come forward in the text, these next couple chapters that we study verse by verse on Tuesday night, it continues that thought process. So these are this is our primary topic of how we treat others and look toward others. And what's interesting about that text last week is it really was before the Lord, like the tithe is to the Lord and, and to just giving is unto the Lord. And remember when Jesus was asked about the two great, the greatest commandment, he said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's vertical. We love him because he first loved us. And then the second commandment is you shall love your neighbor as yourself because we already love ourselves. And if we can love our neighbor as much as ourselves, then we'll be doing just great and fulfilling God's plan and design for his word, law, of the Old Testament being fulfilled by grace and the Holy Spirit through being a disciple of Christ in the New Testament. And as we come to chapter 15, we shift sort of from that vertical, the tithe, to the horizontal and how we treat other people. And so I remind you that the last verse in chapter 14 said that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hand, which you do. So we keep the Lord first in all things, our time, our energy, and our resources. He is our everything. And with that background, it just rolls into chapter 15. So we pick it up contextually for the Jews with lots of application for anyone confessing Christ as Lord and Savior. Verse 1 of chapter 15 reads like this. At the end of every seven years, you shall grant a release of debt. And this is the form of the release. Every creditor who has lent anything to his neighbor shall release it. He shall not record of his neighbor or his brother because it is called the Lord's release. Of a foreigner you may require it, but you shall give up your claim of what is owed by your brother, except when there may be no poor among you. For the Lord will greatly bless you in the land which the Lord your God has given you to possess as an inheritance, only if you carefully obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe with care all these commandments which I command you today. For the Lord your God will bless you just as he promised you. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. You shall reign over many nations, but they shall not reign over you. This is the first segment of scripture tonight. We're going to read. There's three of them. And I want to talk on application immediately 
uh, as we go. So I'm not going to read them all at once, but incrementally as we go. So we really feel the, uh, the heart and the pulse of them. So my title tonight is that then the Lord God will bless you. Because when we finish up tonight, in the last verse, it'll say that then the Lord your God will bless you in all that you do, which is a slight distinction because previously that last verse of chapter 14 said that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands, which you do. But if we do the three things we're going to look at tonight, it says here that then the Lord God will bless you in all that you do. So that he may is what we saw last week and that then he will is what we see this week. And the first of these three things that deal horizontally, that is human being to human being for them in the context was to the the Lord's release once every seven years. I think we'd all appreciate a Lord's release once every seven years, wouldn't we? I mean, maybe your mom's bailed you out once or twice, or your dad, or uh, a distant relative. Maybe there's a a small inheritance that somehow came your way and kind of got you out of dodge or, you know, a little bit of trouble. Uh, The Lord's release every seven years is a beautiful thing. It kept people from being greedy who could lend out money because they knew they could only give it out to them for seven years. If it's not paid back, it's the Lord's release. That's just the way it is. But if you caught this, when we read this passage, they're reminded that when they go into the land, everything they have is from the Lord. Did you catch that? The inheritance from the Lord that he's given you. So it's like, let's say we all are in a trust, the Lord's trust. And the the trust goes into effect when the person has stepped into eternity. So Jesus is resurrected and we're in his trust. And if he He's given us every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus, but let's just say we all had a, a certain sum. Let's say we all have $100,000 that the Lord gave us. Because for the nation of Israel, he said, you're going to have wells you didn't dig for your water supply. You're going to have groves of figs that you didn't plant, vineyards that you didn't plant, and you're going to receive all this. And so the 12 tribes, Joseph sub, the tribe of Joseph uh, subdivided, Manasseh and Ephraim, Levites spread out through everybody. We've studied that. They have a large territory. And so you could be like Naboth. You know, they're in, in Kings, Naboth's vineyard. When Ahab wanted his vineyard, he says, it's my vineyard. God gave it to my f- father, my grandfather, my great-grandfather, and I'm not selling it. It's not for sale. And he would say, like, this is what the Lord gave me. And it's like, so if we receive this, we didn't earn it. So we didn't have a business model or a plan. We didn't get really smart at Cal State Fullerton or something or, you know, GCU, whatever, and figure out how to make this happen. We received it. The trust was open. Here's $100,000, whatever. And we're thriving. And we're in a place where we can bless people. And so like, yeah, I can loan Uncle Ernie this money or Aunt Sue that money. And, and we do this or that. Or, you know, my brother. And yeah, they're, what happened to your inheritance? Well, they mismanagement. But people always mismanage stuff, right? Isn't there always a relative that mismanages money? Come on now, right? So anyways, you'd say, all right, I'm going to do this for you. But you would know when you gave it to them because they're your brethren that after seven years, you have to release it anyway. So if you want to give them 3000 or 5000 or 10000 or 50000 they're desperate. They had come into, you know, they had health bills they didn't anticipate, right? They didn't have money for a rainy day, as John Wooden used to say. Uh, they just, hard times came and they were hung out to dry and you're going to loan them money. Well, first of all, when they're loaning the money, you would know like, you didn't make this money. This estate was given to you by the Lord. And see, again, this goes back to last week's study. If we realize everything we have is because of the Lord, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Uh, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. John the Baptist said it best when he said, a man can receive nothing unless it comes from above. So everything we have is already the Lord's. It's all going to be redistributed. And I've been saying this. Anyone who listen to me, we're all out of here in 90 years one way or another. And everything we own 
our land, our houses, our cars, our estate, our gold, our silver, whatever, it's going to all be redistributed by the time you're gone. There's a good chance your great-grandkids or your grandkids won't even, it won't even be there. We leave the assets and the wealth stays behind. Most people think it goes with them somehow and they're deceived. That's why we're told of the deceitfulness of riches that they deceive us. In the context here, they are told and reminded, whatever you get in that promised land, you receive it as an inheritance from the Lord. Therefore, be generous with it and sow bountifully. And if you want to help someone out, you help them out. But know this, in seven years, it's the Lord's release. It's the Lord's release. Well, you know, Uncle Ernie mismanaged it. Aunt Sue mismanagement, whatever. It, it doesn't matter. It was the Lord's in the first place. If you know it's from the Lord and they don't pay you back, then that's between them and the Lord. You got to let it go. After seven years, you just got to let it go. This is the context for Israel. Just let it go. Uh, but, you know, like, they, this, they did this 14 years ago to my mother. Well, and she had to let it go. Because what your mother had came from the Lord as well. Did you dig those wells? No. Did you plant those vineyards? No. Did you receive it from the Lord? Like the cross, like grace, like freely forgiven? One who's forgiven much uh, is inclined to forgive others much? Or did you earn it somehow? Oh, that's the perspective we need to have as believers in Christ. That everything we have comes from the Lord. And it's all the Lord's. And if we feel led to let it go, let it go. But we've said this before, the, the church is never a savings and loan. And we've had people want to borrow money from the church. It's like, no, this doesn't, this doesn't work like that. You know, that's what, uh, that's what Wells Fargo's for, or school's first. You know, like, that's not what we do, all right? If we feel led to meet this need, we'll meet it. Now, when I was on staff at Calvary Costa Mesa with Pastor Chuck 20 years ago, people would come around looking for money all the time at Calvary Costa Mesa. And one thing Pastor Chuck would never do and the board would never approve is to give money to clear people's debts. So that's important. Now, I remember specifically one time a woman who was a single mom uh, having coming on hard times and she had about an $800 auto repair bill. That was right down the, the, in the wheelhouse of what would meet qualifications. She went to church twice a week at Calvary. She could tell you what she was, what books Chuck was going through, what God was speaking to her. And she could prove she fell on hard times. Chuck would require a specific need. And, you know, he's not going to pay your mortgage every month. He's not going to pay your electricity every month. And he's definitely not going to clear your credit card. But if you had a specific need and you could show the hardship of it and you're a part of the church, Chuck was a very generous man. And he was more than welcome to meet those needs. And we even had the boxes of food for people all the time. And so inevitably, I'd always want to give somebody something like that. You know, this is tricky because that year, of, that seven-year release is something that the perspective is that we're the lender, not the recipient. Even at Calvary Costa Mesa, when they gave it, they gave it. It's not like you borrowed money from Pastor Chuck and the board to pay that medical bill or that car repair. It was just given and released. And that's, that's how it should be. But they were to be the lender, not the borrower. You caught that. You'll be the head, not the tail, as it said in another place. You'll be the lender, not the borrower. You will reign over nations, but they won't reign over you. And of course, we know in the Proverbs that the debtor is a slave to the lender. And I'm not going to do a whole Bible study on why you avoid debt and try and stay out of debt tonight. I'll simply say there's some debts that seem to be fairly unavoidable. But really, if you're wise, I always measure by this. When you step into eternity, are you leaving bills for someone else to pay? That's the real acid test. Are you ready for eternity? Because if you're stepping into eternity and you're putting financial burden on, on creditors or upon your family and stuff like that, 
That doesn't glorify Jesus Christ, and that's not the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that's not the word of God in principle, and that's just that's a bad witness. I just believe that's an absolute bad witness. If you have you die and you're in the red tonight, that's not good. You need to fix that immediately. If you step into eternity, your net worth should be equal or greater than anything that would be incurred upon people behind you. And that's just reasonable to love your neighbors yourself. Because if you love yourself, you wouldn't want someone to die and leave you with the debt that they left you. And now you're a co-signer because you're a relative on it. You'd want them to leave you a blessing so you can receive that blessing and be a blessing to others from that blessing. And believe me, in 33 years of ministry, I've seen a lot of people do both. And a lot of them being professing Christians too. What I don't like about debt that you can't match with your net worth and your equity and your value is you're presuming God's going to give you tomorrow to clean it up. That's why I don't like debt. Because tomorrow's guaranteed to no one. So when you have debt that you kick down the road and you figure, well, we'll figure that out later like governments do, you just can't. But we're not governed by human governments. We're, we're governed by a monarch, King Jesus. And he's our provider, and he takes care of us. So my standard of how I handle finances and how I lend and give away isn't based upon the banks or the government. It's based upon faith in God and love for humanity and being a faithful servant to take care of my family and to provide for my family spiritually and practically, and how can I bless other people? I want to be the lender, not the debtor. Don't you? It's like I told a young millennial years ago when they went out to do ministry at another church, and they ended up leaving that church. They're a worship leader, and they're, they're broke, and they're going home to their family in another state, and they basically couldn't do anything. And I was like, well, let me tell you something. When you have money, you have more options than when you don't. Life lesson. So work hard, save up some money, and you won't be at the mercy of people you don't like working for. Now, debt comes around in many different ways. Other people can put you in debt. People can take advantage of you and put you in debt. People can leave you with a bill that you didn't know is your bill, and you can be hung out to dry. When my sister was divorced by her first, second husband, he left her with a $40,000 debt that she didn't even know about in credit cards and a vehicle, and that was like a ball and chain attached to her. And one of the reasons she became homeless is she's like, I can't even function in society. I can't do this. I can't clear this debt. This is too much for me. I'm just going to go drink in a bottle and push a grocery cart around for a couple of years and not worry about this, because I don't even want to think about it. And that's what that, you can have that happen. But Really, if we're walking in the Spirit, ideally, no matter how poor we might be in Jesus' name, and we know some wonderful people that love Jesus that are very poor in other parts of the world, they have no opportunity like we have here. We are told with food and clothing we'll be content. And we are promised by Jesus that he, he feeds the birds and he clothes the lilies of the field. So we can know that God's always going to promise us food and clothing. And we can know in every lesson that we go through, like Paul said, I can abound and I can abase. But whatever the case is, you think about like, you know, it says those who are, those who steal in Ephesians don't steal anymore, work hard so we have something to give to someone else. So really what God wants to get us from as a disciple of Jesus Christ is being enslaved to other people financially and owing to other people financially and living beyond our means financially to a place where we trust in the Lord as our heavenly father. Give us this day our daily bread. We live within our means. Godliness with contentment is great gain. And we're not only able to function, not be a burden on other society, expect anything from government because government takes. So even if they're giving you something, there's always a bait and switch on that one. You know that, right? Of course. There's a point where it's over and they own everything. Just as the Egyptians in the time of Pharaoh and Joseph in the famine. They gave everything for bread. And in the end game, Pharaoh owned everything. We want to be the people that can be part of the solution. 
Now, we might be dependent for different reasons. So if you're dependent for various reasons, don't misunderstand me. There's times that you might just be in a situation that's the way it is. And bad men put good women in bad situations all the time. I've seen that in 33 years of ministry. Bosses take advantage of people and put them in difficult places. But truly, if you're trusting the Lord to give us our daily bread and to clothe us, clothe us like the lilies of the field, he's going to meet our needs. Godliness with contentment is great gain. We see in the early church that they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Solomon, who had all the wealth in the world, said, you know what? I'd rather eat at a table with a few herbs than at a fatted calf where there's contention. I'd rather take the piece of poverty over the contention of wealth. And more often than not, wealth produces contention for a lot of people because the Lord's not over it. But we want the Lord over all your wealth. We want you, the Holy Spirit wants you, the Word of God wants us, in a time like this where there's more and more homeless people, there's more and more people with financial difficulties, there are more and more people in desperate straits all over this planet because of authoritarian, totalitarian governments that take, 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 moving us to the, to the opinion of the masses, which is right down the fast lane to the Antichrist and the end game. And until we get there, until Jesus comes back and splits them out of olives, there's going to be greater needs in humanity than there are to this day. And I, for one, like you, want to be a part of the solution, not the problem. And I want to be able to lose my wealth and give that wealth away to the benefit of other people in Jesus' name to get them from point A to point B with greater faith in Jesus than they had before I came into their life and became a blessing to them financially, and you do too. And if you don't, you should. That's how we want to be. We want to be the head, not the tail. We want to be the lender, not the debtor. And we want to reign because we're, we're reigned over by Jesus so we can be his ambassadors, and we want to bless people. And we don't give conditionally expecting anything. Human beings are not consumers. That's a problem with governments and, and people who are all about money. People are just consumers that you can take from. But the cross is about giving. Jesus on the cross is about giving. God saw the world he gave, and so we're givers. And so we want to be able to sow bountifully, unconditionally in people's lives. And I wish there was a seven-year of release. But it doesn't work that way. I wish it did. But we can live in the spirit of the seven-year release where when we give, don't expect anything back. And if someone takes it, make it an offering and let that be your release. That's your seven-year release. Someone ripped you off. Or uh, When I was speaking at Montebello the other night about these things, a, a young lady came up to me and she goes, that, I'm so comforted because I just got $1,000 stolen from me by these people. And I was like, make it an offering. Make that an offering to the Lord and forgive those people and make that an offering right now. And you'll wake up tomorrow and you're just going forward. The Lord is given. The Lord is taken. The Lord can replace that. You know, there's a story of Ahaziah when he uh, hired all those soldiers of the, to, uh, to fight with him from the northern kingdom. He was a Judah king and he, he paid him 30,000 talents of silver. And the prophet goes, don't do that. You're not in fellowship with them. They're evil. You're good. Do not do that. And he says, well, what do I do with the 30,000 talents of silver? He's like, let it go. Is not the Lord able to replace the 30,000 talents of silver? Because the Lord owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He can replace it. So we're lenders and we're givers. We're not lending to make that way. And I'm talking in general. If you've got a business, you've got to figure that out with the Lord. But on this point, the idea is that the believer of Christ has, is trusting the Lord and they have something to give. Look at the widow. Okay, she put in a widow's mite. Now, those Pharisees put in tons of money. And they stole that stuff from people, and Jesus even said so. They put in all this wealth, but it was just their excess from what they took dishonestly from people. The widow was all in. I've had someone tell me years ago that the widow's might was the, hard, was the easiest thing to put in because she had nothing to lose. I'll tell you, it's the hardest thing to do because we'll hold on to that last piece of bread. 
When I'm traveling, I want that last little bit of water bottle in my backpack. When I'm traveling, I don't eat that last bit of uh, trail mix because I want to have that in case something goes wrong. That last mite is everything. You are totally 100% dependent upon the Lord at that moment. So we want the people to be right side up, that we can bless others, and we can be part of the solution. What if Franklin Graham, in his ministry, thought it was a good idea to always go in debt to people? Where would the world be without Franklin Graham being so wise and fruitful with his ministries and sowing bountifully all over the world with everything that he does? See, we want to think like, let's be like Franklin Graham. We're living wisely, frugally, and generously. And the release. If you are in debt, you can pray that the Lord will help you be released of that debt. And if you are in debt, let's just say that's one of your number one objectives right now is to figure out how to clear those debts. And there's all kinds of resources out there that can help you figure that out. But uh, we're in a time when less is more and simplicity over complexity. That's how we want to live because we're, we're moving toward things that are massive and so far reaching our generation And in studying World War I and other things like this that radically affect the world, just one little thing can happen. In a matter of two or three months, the whole world's at war, and it all changes for everybody. You just don't know with all the uncertainty in our planet right now, with all these strange things going on, all these biblical things, you just don't know what's that one thing like Sarajevo and the assassination of uh, Archduke Ferdinand. You just don't know what's going to move all these things in a way toward this end game that the Bible clearly tells us. So what we want to do is be ready for that day. I want to say, oh no, it's the, it's, the, it's the day of the Lord, it's tomorrow, and I want to try and give everything away. I don't know, today is the day of the Lord, and we want to be generous people right now, and not upside down, right side up, and we don't want to be takers, we want to be givers. Follow me? Amen. All right, and we are, as a whole. But clean, less, just man. I have to share this. Nicholas and Alexander, the last czar of Russia, they had all this incredible wealth that he had inherited. She was, of course, a Prussian uh, princess. And their reign was such a hard time. I told you about Rasputnik and all that happened there. But in the last year that they were alive, after he had to abdicate the throne and the Bolsheviks, the, the Soviets, came to power, they had, they had hundreds and hundreds of servants. They had yachts. They had all these things they ever did. And, the, and they had faith in Jesus. And they were, she was deeply religious. And in the last year of their life, while they got moved around by the Bolsheviks, they had less and less and less and less and less. And all they had on the last year of their life before the Bolsheviks murdered them all in that basement in Siberia, all they had was their entire family together, their Bibles, and their faith. God stripped them of all the wealth of Russia, this one-sixth the size of planet Earth, bigger than the moon, Russia, all that wealth, 300 years of Romanov rule, and they had all that wealth, and he stripped them of all of it in the last year of their life and prepared them for eternity. And then they all died together being assassinated by the Bolsheviks in that basement. And I thought, you know, as much as that's a tragedy, and you can, there's so many books and movies on them, The Last Czar, really, though, because of their faith in Jesus, he removed everything that distracted them from Jesus for the day of the Lord. And in fact, when they were gunned down in that basement, they were more ready for the day of Christ Jesus than any other day they ever lived. And that's something to think about. Lend it, give it away, release it. If someone comes to you, dude, I just can't, it's all good. It's the Lord's. Let it go. And be upside, right side up, not upside down. Now, verse 7 reads this. There, if there is among you a poor man of your brethren with any 
of the gates in your land, which the Lord your God has given you, you shall not harden your heart, nor shut up your hand from your poor brother, but you shall open your hand wide to him and willingly lend him sufficient for his need, whatever he needs. Beware lest there be a, a wicked thought in your heart saying, mm, the seventh year, the year of release is at hand, and your eye be evil against your poor brother, and you give him nothing, and he cry out to the Lord against you, and it becomes sin among you. You shall surely give to him, and your heart shall not be grieved when you give it to him, because for this thing, the Lord your God will bless you in all the works and all of which you put your hand. For the poor will never cease from the land. Therefore, I command you, saying, you shall open uh, your hand wide to your brother, to your poor and your needy in your land. Of course, Jesus said the poor you always have with you, too. So he's just quoting the law when he said that. The first cluster of verses there, the one through six, is the Lord's release. Releasing and letting go, which he's done for us and all that and what we want to be, the head, not the tail, the lender, not the borrower, because we can release and we're just a conduit by which the Lord works. But the second one is to open your hand wide. So we have the Lord's release in those first few verses, and now we have open your hand wide, and it says it twice. You shall open your hand wide, verse 8, and willingly lend sufficient for his needs, whatever he needs. Then it says in the last verse there, verse 11, you shall open your hand wide to your brother, to your poor and your needy in your land. Now, of course, we all have common sense and this doesn't obligate us to pull our money out of the bank and go down there to where people, you see homeless people and give them all your wealth. It's, it's not like that at all. But there's wisdom because we do need frugality in how we manage our finances, but we need faith before frugality and we need freedom to release it. And there's a balance, but you can never go wrong when you're a giver as opposed to a taker. You've been listening to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Brandt. If you would like more information about the ministry of Worship Generation, visit us online at www.worshipgeneration.com, where you can listen to the podcast of today's entire message. Worship Generation is located at 10350 Ellis Avenue in Fountain Valley, California. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. And also follow Pastor Joey on Instagram under the tag name at Joey Brand. Thanks for listening and God bless. Not ashamed of the gospel. Not ashamed, not ashamed of the one I love. Not ashamed, not ashamed.